Hello and welcome to another episode of Run to the Hills. I'm Chris Bland. And I'm Tim Taylor. Hello. How are we doing, Tim? What's new? Yeah, good. I'm excited because I've got a PB this week running to work. I've been doing like my little 5K loop um, in like two or three days a week for the last however many weeks we've been doing what we're doing. And uh, I've got a PB this week and I haven't even had a nasty email before I did the PB to make me angry. It was just like a, a PB that appeared out of nowhere. A genuine, unrage filled PB. Yeah, exactly. How about that? So what did you get? I got twenty seven eleven for the for the five k element of it, um, which I was really pleased with because I, you know, I, the, if I keep if if I keep that sounds weird, doesn't it? But I'll keep this five k thing up, and the target would be to get do a part run and do it under under twenty five. Um, whenever part runs come back, I might have to. Uh, Go and chance my arm at a, a part run in York somewhere. But 27.11 is good. I'm, I'm pleased with that because I was doing about 29 and a half minutes about four or five weeks ago. So just steadily improving. I can imagine the park run in York is around the racetrack, isn't it? So it's quite a flat one. I can imagine that's quite a fast yeah. loop. Yes, I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. So uh, and you, you've obviously you're obviously chasing lots of faster people. So, uh, yeah. So news-wise this week, we've got two things, both about very long races. The first is bad news. The first race that I think I've seen has been cancelled for 2021. Um, The Hertz 100 in America, which was scheduled for January 16th. Wow, that's a long way. Yeah, that's a long way ahead of time to be postponing it. It's only June now, isn't it? It's a very long time. So whether... They're cautious about people flying in, whether they're sort of not wanting to get ahead of themselves. There's big expenses, but hopefully won't. Well, hopefully things will be. It's good to see people taking precautions, but hopefully things will be back to normal by then. Um, I definitely want to be doing races in 2021. So fingers crossed. Well, you heard it here first. Chris is racing in 2021. Are you taking a photo of me mid podcast there, Tim? Absolutely, Um, Chris. For shame. Um, okay, and but good news. Endure twenty four, um, a race that we went to when Kim was running it, and she did was it one hundred and fifteen miles in twenty four hours, uh, five it. mile loop. loop. Uh, I think it was the year before. Okay. Um, a five mile loop round Leeds. Well, there this year they're doing a virtual version of it with people donating to charity and doing a five mile loop of their own area, which is pretty cool. Nice. Again, it's just nice everyone doing innovative things. Um, I think, Tim, that's all we've got on that. Our guest this week is Zach Hanna, who is an absolute uphill running machine. He won the Salmon Vertical Kilometer Race in Glencoe, which was an awful, awful course. I think it's 5K and a kilometer of ascent. Uh, Oh, my God. Yeah. Really mean, and he did it in something stupid like forty-four minutes. So, oh my goodness! Oh, I'll yeah. be on a, I'll be on a stretcher. There was a lot of people on a stretcher. I've got um some. Oh, I was there taking some photos, and there's some great shots of people sort of keeling over and just regretting <laughs> life choices. It was, it was really good. Um, cause it's, a, it's a weird race where you set off randomly. It seems with thirty-second intervals. 
So you've got someone like Zach okay. would be setting off 30 seconds before or after someone like me who'd be dying after about 20 steps. Yeah. So yeah, it was great. We talked to him about that. We talked to him about his background and go into how you can, well, tips that he has for getting better on running uphill. Cool. Sounds great. I'm looking forward to it. Without further ado, Zach Hannah. Yeah, I'm uh, 24. I'm a mountain runner based over here in Northern Ireland. I run for Ireland and Northern Ireland. Uh, I'm a member of Newcastle AC over here in County Down. And I've only been running four years. Before I was a runner, I was a cyclist. And before I was a cyclist, I was a show jumper. And uh, yeah, I done say I rode bikes for eleven years before sort of calling it quits, and then I sort of followed the path into mountain running. And since then, I haven't looked back. Probably the best decision I ever made going across to the sport. Uh, the opportunities it's been given me has been second to none. I've been the countries I thought I'd never see. I've visited mountains that I never even knew existed up until maybe the last two years. But uh, yeah, the people, the people you meet, the places you visit, and the opportunities it gives you, incredible sport. Definitely, I wouldn't, running on the road or the track does not appeal to me one bit. Like, running in the mountains, it's, there's just something, something special about it that makes it so much more attractive than running around in circles or pounding the tarmac all the time. But yeah, that's really all I have to say about myself then. <laughs> Have you done any? Have you done any track or road races? I my last track race was I think three years ago. I was it was more like a I jumped into a three thousand meter race in Belfast. I think I, it was mainly just for a laugh. It wasn't it wasn't out to prove anything. It wasn't out to go for a time or anything. But yeah, that was a it was a I wouldn't say it was a shock to the system. It was just. The thought of being in a group of 20 fellas running around in circles for just around nine minutes did cross the line and just says, no, nah, that's just not for me. And <laughs> I never looked back. I never done another track race, but I do train on the track. And then on the road, my yearly visit to the road is on the Armagh 5K. Bar that, no other, five, no other road races are done throughout the year. So I try and stay away from them. Um, and then... It's interesting that obviously mountain running is such a technical sort of sport as well as obviously requiring ridiculous fitness. It's interesting that you've come from cycling, which very, very different. How did you find that crossover? At the start, it was quite hard because I didn't have, I didn't have a, an endurance base behind me that you need for running to be able to allow you to run, to run fast for long periods of time. But the one thing cycling did help me with, it gave me incredible strength in the legs, which meant I was able to climb really well compared to compared to the others who maybe haven't done cycling. Uh, I think my first my first fell race was the Donard Comet. It was the Northern Irish round of the British Championships. And that was back in 2016. I can remember it very well. I was, I think there's 300 entered that day. I had never done a fell race in my life before, and I started off, got into a decent group of runners up to the summit of Sleeve Donard. I was in the top 20 by that stage, and I thought to myself, this is going, 
this is going well here. Well, it wasn't until I think after 45 minutes of running, whenever my lack of running experience behind me just kicked in and everything went backwards from there. I suffered like a dog in the finish line and just overall, I, finished, I think I finished 125th in the end. That's how, that's how little of a, a running base I had behind me. So yeah, the, the crossover was, I sort of had to get into my head that it wasn't going to be an overnight job into becoming a good runner. It's only sort of the last two years where I've been able to train consistently and put a real focus into my running. But now that I am running more more often now, uh, you sort of look back and you realize how much the cycling did benefit you in the long run. I would look at it that cycling taught me how to hurt a lot, how to really dig deep whenever you need to. And it's also taught me how to how to read a race. I've had a couple of races where there's a couple of cross country races, for example, where tactics have come into play to win it. And been able to know when to sit behind in the bunch going into the headwind or whenever to maybe push on a bit. All of that's come from cycling and thankfully the two of them have combined well. And it's helped a lot over the last few years. What type of cycling was it that you used to do? I'd done, I'd done everything. I'd done mountain biking, road and cyclocross. It was sort of towards the end of my cycling career. It was mostly cyclocross because it was the winter time. And it was just it was a bit of fun, something to do over the winter. Like the way runners look across country, it's just a, another way of getting a good workout. And I rode on the road cycling. I done done quite a few stage races i rode for ulster and in mountain biking as a youth and junior rider i was podium in irish championships and i won a few irish irish league races and just sort of dabbled in and out of every sort of discipline everything except downhill that there was just not what i was going to be doing you were at was it salomon it was in scotland wasn't it um Kinlock Lovin or whatever. Uh, what was it? The Skyline. Oh yeah, for the V. Yes. For the, uh, yeah, Skyline yeah, weekend the with the V. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yep. Yeah. Was, which, uh, am I right? Am I right in thinking you won it? Yeah. Yeah, I won it by four minutes. I think the gap was. That was a. Uh, oh, that was a hard, hard run. That was just insane. Yeah, it looked grim. Do you want to tell us what it was? Tell us a little bit about it. Oh, uh, it was my. It was my first ever VK. I've never done anything like that before. So the whole concept of setting off, I think it was 30 seconds, uh, 30 second intervals, that was new to me. So when you're used to starting at a big pack and being able to follow people and you know get paced, it's a bit of an unknown territory to be in. But I've wrecked the sort of the first 2K, I think, first two, 3K of it fairly well the night before so I was able to I knew where I had that well, was able to push on and where I was able to maybe ease back a bit just to save the legs for the the sort of the final climb to the summit but yeah it was a really really warm day from what I remember and just the, yeah, the whole atmosphere about the whole atmosphere about Kinlock leaving was absolutely class like was, you know I thought you were in Europe the way the fans were getting on but yeah, I can remember coming up through uh, when I, I left the forest section of it, and I was I looked up and I could see this stream of people going up, 
sort of on the on the final ridge. And whenever you get up to it yourself and on your hands and your knees crawling through the rocks, like that's that is just deadly. I love that. But yeah, it was the final. I'd say the final K. My calves were on fire just because of the sheer steepness of it, and everything was just hurting. And you just have to grind through. And then when you see people shouting your name and cheering you on, people who've just finished and they're on their way back down to the down to the start finish line. Uh, it was, it was just when I was, it was relief when I got to the finish line because it was just four. It was probably the hardest forty-four minutes of running I had done in a long time up to that stage. And oh, it was, it was great to get the win. You know, it was, and I would say to me, that's fairly. Is that how long it took you? Forty-four minutes. Yeah, I think it was forty-four minutes from memory. It wasn't. I think I was forty-four minutes, maybe just, just over. So I was happy enough with that there, but it's not. Not too often you're doing five k in forty four minutes. Yeah, right? I was going to say, what was that? Was it total total distance? Was that five k and then a kilometer of ascent? Yeah. <laughs> and then with one of the main things I really wanted to talk to you about was we've got a lot of people now sort of coming out of lockdown, wanting to get back into sort of racing, maybe wanting to get into trail and fell running for the first time. Is there anything you've obviously gone from complete non-runner to mountain mogul? Is there anything, any sort of technical advice, anything that you suggest or anything that's worked really well for you? I would say being consistent. Whenever, if you start running, like you don't want to be going, going out straight away, running seven days a week, you would need to sort of ease yourself into it. Maybe start running twice a week and after maybe three or four weeks, build it up. And just gradually increase the amount of days you're rolling. But as I say, the only way to get better at something is to continue, continuously do it. So being consistent would be number one for me. That's one. That's what my coach has sort of drilled into me since I took that decision to take it more serious. Do you think it was important to get a coach that early on? It's to me. I think it's up to your personal your personal choice. You know, it's some people don't like to be told what to do. They sort of like to be sort of go on their own, sort of learn as they go. But whenever I was whenever I first spoke to Richard, I liked what he what he had said and he basically said I'd like to help you and see how far you could go. So yeah, at the start it was it was all new to me. I was learning a lot of different types of running. Like I didn't know what a tempo run was. I didn't know I wasn't running every day. But slowly over time he's learned a lot from him um running started off i was just running maybe six days a week and slowly now i'm up to seven days a week now i'm running twice a day six days a week with a long run on the sunday and i'm up to 100 miles a week now so it's it's been a, it's been a long three years it's been there there has been their ups and downs but i try i'm i've learned the cycling has helped me in terms of not overtraining, I know myself, I know how to listen to my body. I know when something's not right. And just those types of things are what a coach can help you, help you with, help you with things you're not 100% sure of. And as I said at the start, it's it's up to you whether you want to go down that line of having someone give you that guidance. But in my opinion, a coach is the way to go if you want to make huge steps in the sport. When you're saying about knowing when to rest and when to recover, is that something that you do through like heart rate variability or like 
if one of your runs isn't at a certain speed or do you just do it completely off field? If I do a, a tempo session, which is usually twice a week, it's all off heart rate. I got a lab test done back in February and so I have my heart rate zones to work to. So that has been a huge factor in no, so that so that I'm not running hard all the time. I think, but I did used to run with heart rate every day, but I soon got fed up with it. I wasn't. I learnt, I learnt myself that running on field for me was the best way to go. As I said, like I was, I run every day without heart rate bar during the session. Even in the long run, leave the heart rate at home. If you feel bad, you'll know. When things aren't going well, you'll just ease back a bit or just stop. But yeah, running on field uh, to me is the best way to go because uh, it just it teaches you how to listen to your body. I think whenever you're sort of stuck to technology all the time, that can sort of have a a downside to how you train. I don't like to learn it too much takes because at the moment. end, does it takes you out of the moment and. You don't learn anything from looking at the screen all the time, in my opinion. So I've got last two sort of questions, then I want to get on something really quick. And that's, do you have any advice to someone specifically wanting to improve at getting better at running up hills? Run up hills, that's it's the same as running yeah. fast. If you want to run fast, you have to learn how to run fast. Running depends on where you live. Some people don't have that access to hills, obviously, but... Um, if you do have that pain. access, yep, exactly. There you go. But like, it's a case of if you can find a hill that they don't have to be long hills that, like, what you'd find up in the highlands or in the lakes. You know, any hill is good. Like you can see, like short hill wraps are also very good for getting you getting your legs used to climbing because you're recruiting if they're if they're, especially if they're shorter wraps, they're you're recruiting your fast twitch fibers, which then in return going uphill will increase your leg strength and the stronger your legs are the easier it is for you to go uphill and it also teaches your your cardiovascular system to work harder whenever the gradient gets steeper but generally the only way i think to get better running hills is just to go out and run them because it doesn't matter if you're going slow or going fast as long as you're on the hills and getting the time on your feet in the mountains that's that's really it that's really it you know there's no there's no magic recipe to being able to go fast uphill and then is it the same on downhills um especially with like getting good at the technical side of moving fast feet is that just practice 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 it was whenever whenever i started running like at the minute my descending isn't it's okay it's getting better i never had to start i never was a great descender but a lot of um old school fell runners from around home they have said to me that running downhill comes with experience the more you do it the better you get it's not some people are born with um great ascending skills like for, i was reading i've read a couple of books over the last few weeks talking about billy bland and like to talk about him running downhill they say that he just had this yeah. button where he was able to switch off his fear and probably one of the best ascenders ever to come out of the sport Whereas some of the best runners, like for example, Robin Robbie Bryson, he actually holds the record for the Snowden race up to the top. So he led the race to the summit. But by the time he got to the bottom, I think he finished fourth or fifth. So like he wasn't the greatest ascender, but he could climb really well. So 
to me to me descending you either born with it or you're not if you can descend if you're born with it you'll descend like a brick you'll fly down the hills whereas you take me for example i can i can hold my own whenever it's not too technical but when it gets very technical especially in the fails i'm not just as great but i've been lucky the last maybe five weeks i've been able to practice that a bit more now that we can have no restriction travel i've been going into lamorne's which is only a 10 minute drive and i can head up into lamorne's and you have all the granite rocks around you and you can descend over the rough ground until your heart's content which i want to get more practice on so what does that that what does that practice sort of look like it's just going planning a route where you know that every descent's going to be it's going to be tactical like I, I'd say when you get up to the summit of Sleeve Donard, when you're descending down towards Sleeve Comeda, it's very, it's it's rocky, at the in sort of the middle. And if you're descending fast off the summit, you pick up a bit of speed, then you all of a sudden you hit this rock garden, and you have to pick your foot, pick your footsteps, and you're jumping over, sort of boulders, and you're trying to watch your feet for the, for any holes that's about the place. Doing that there, putting yourself out of your comfort zone when going downhill. I'm trying to do that and I feel over the last few weeks it's getting better. And just maybe another few weeks I'll carry on doing that and just hopefully progress a bit better and I'll be able to put that into practice when it comes to the race. Okay, so we've got for you now, this is our quick fire round. I'm gonna ask them relatively quickly. You can answer them in your own sweet time. Um Okay, starting off, I think you've answered this one already for me, but road or trail? Trail. Absolutely. Hot or cold? I'll have to say 50-50 there. I'm sort of like I'm, I'm an all-weather okay. person, you know. Sun or rain? Sun. Good answer. Very good answer. Favorite music to run to? Anything by the Stone Roses or Jerry Cinnamon. Good shout. Good shout. Okay. Um, how many pairs of trainers do you own? Oh, far too, far too many at the moment. It seems to be a recurring theme. Um, any idea on what that is? How many? Oh, I'd say 20 plus. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Uh, yeah. What's the longest you've gone without washing any of your kit? or washing kit that you're wearing i think maybe four days four days maybe because i would before days i think it was maybe two years ago i'd done a week's road trip with a few runners and with no access to washing facilities it's good four days i think the longest we've had so far is was it something like six months or something vile so don't worry oh that's um, what's the strangest thing you've seen on it, yeah this sounded absolutely vile What's the strangest thing you've seen on a run? Um, strangest thing? A pair of knickers. <laughs> Dodgy indeed. Um, okay, last two questions for you. What's the sketchiest place you've been for a run? I say up in Glencoe, at that uh, Glencoe skyline. I was filming the Ring of Steel Sky Race for Solomon, and it was... I was probably one of the sketchiest runs I've done in a long time. I was opened my eyes and actually scared the wits out of yeah. me. Yeah, 
I am. Um, was that the one on the last day on the Sunday? Mm, no, that was in this. Yeah, that was. Yep. Yeah. That was a very scary. Yeah, with the grim weather as well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Very sketchy. I felt the same pain on that. Okay. And last question: What's the most interesting prize you've seen at a race? Um. I was at the Dreisen and Alpine race this year and back in September in Italy. I think the top 10 all got a box of apples each and there must have been 50 apples in each box. And we were going home the next day so everyone was just walking about with big boxes of apples and random bits of cheese and just some local delicacies and there's some strange bits of meat in there that I, to this day, still don't know what they are. Did you eat them um, I tried one, it tasted very strange, so I didn't go any further with that there. It sort of went put to the side, but <laughs> some other bits of meat were absolutely beautiful. But I that probably some of the stuff some that came out but that, that we hamper was just strange. Like I don't know what it was or what those people ate, but crazy. There's some some pretty interesting prizes in those European races. Right, that's it. Oh, that's everything. Where can people find you? Um where's the best place to see what you're up to? Uh, I'm on Strava, Instagram, maybe Facebook. Facebook's not great. I'm not really a big Facebook user, but that's Strava, Instagram, and Twitter. You'll probably be most of my ramblings will be on that. Probably have more use more. And um, what's your what's your, what's your name on there? Just Zach Hanna on Strava, and I think it's at Zach Hanna on Instagram and at Zach Hanna ninety five on Twitter. You'll see me on there. Zach, that's amazing. Um, thank you again for talking to us, man. Right. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Run to the Hills. If you could please go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to this, leave us a rating and a review, and that would be absolutely amazing. If not, give us a subscribe. Thank you, and see you next week.